0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 17 through 25. And this is uh, a word in preparation for the sermon this morning uh, on discipleship. And this is where Jesus is calling the first disciples. It says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, and their father, and they followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, in healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them all. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. This is the word of our God.
1: Thank you you uh, may or may not be aware. Uh, if, if you know me a little bit, you may know this. You may not. But uh, my undergraduate degree was in architecture, and as as I graduated college, I actually worked for for five years for different architects in different areas and. I, as i found, as, as many of you probably know from different jobs is when you go to school, is, is when you actually start working and you get into the field that you're working in, that's really when you start to learn. You start to really figure out what you're doing. Although I learned a lot of good things in school and a lot of things I used, I didn't really figure out what was going on with architecture very much until I started to work. And, and thankfully, the, the very one of the first jobs I had very early on, I had a wonderful boss that was a godly, sweet man that, really kind of took me under his wing and helped me quite a bit. And, and uh, he would give me assignments to do and things, and he'd teach me. But then uh, every couple weeks, he would call me or he'd come by my desk and he'd say, Come with me. And he would take me to job sites. And he'd walk out and he'd show me, and we'd look at drawings. And he'd say, See, see what we drew here? Well, they didn't build it that way. And he'd say, Actually, they know what they're doing better. We should draw it the way they build it or, or vice versa. Or, or they did it really wrong and they messed it up or whatever it was. And he started to show me and take me. And I, and I started to learn things by being out there and listening to him and seeing what was going on. And, and as I thought about that boss and, and all that he taught me in those couple of years, uh, he kept coming to mind this week as, as we're moving on in this series and this morning as we talk about discipleship, because what he knew and he was a believer and a follower of Christ and, and it exuded in all areas of his life, but even in architecture as he would come alongside you and he would show you and he'd say, let me show you what this is like and let me teach you as we go. And and so as we think about that this morning and the way uh, Jesus taught and the way he moved and we see a lot of that, we see that overlap and that's, that's the way Jesus did discipleship and what it looks like. And so this morning we're actually ending up our short series on what we've just called Membership matters. We started the very first week saying membership matters and that it matters to be part of a local church. And so we took that very literally. And then the next couple weeks, we talked about the matters of membership, the things we do as members of a church. And we talked about baptism and we talked about the Lord's Supper last week. But then today, we're going to talk about discipleship and what that looks like. And so if you remember back the first week as we started, we were talking about what we're to be doing as the church and how to be going about it. And we hit on. in, in First Peter about how that we're to proclaim the excellencies of him who's called us out of the darkness that we're to go forth and tell what Christ has done and so today as we're ending up this series I want us to think about how we're to be doing that uh, kind of the uh, it's a bad it's probably not a good word to use in in relation to this but the program if you will that Jesus set up on how it works in the church how it goes out and so we're gonna, to do that this morning, we're going to look at a passage in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And if you want to follow along in the Pew Bibles that we have there, that's on page 646. And I, I need to uh, say this every so often, but if you need a Bible or you're visiting with us and you don't have a Bible, those are for you to take. We'd love for you to have one and take one with you. And while I'm mentioning that, if you're visiting with us, also along with those Bibles spread out through the chairs, we actually have visitor's cards And so if you're visiting with us, we'd love for you to fill one of those out so we can connect with you and just have a record of you being here. And so page 646 on that, and we're going to be in 2 Timothy. And so as we think about 2 Timothy, just let me set the background a little bit before we jump in and read these verses together. We're going to be in 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 to 17. And so 2 Timothy is a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, who's a young pastor and a a believer that's coming up in the faith, and Paul's writing to encourage him and help him. In the immediate context, context as we get the the nine verses before the verses we're going to look at this morning talks about the times and how they're difficult, and people are becoming lovers of self and lovers of money and lovers of pleasure rather than God, and all these things that are swirling around. And he says, "But you, Timothy, this is what you need to do to stay faithful to your call as a believer." And so he goes through, and that's kind of the context of our passage this morning. And what we're going to see as we look at it is Paul's just really laying out in a lot of ways what discipleship looks like and what it should look like. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you'd look with me, let's read 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 to 17, and then we'll work through those together. And so it says this, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, My persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and at Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray and then we're going to look at that together and think about discipleship. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is inspired by you and that it is breathed out by you and that it is profitable for all these things and so we ask this morning that you would have your way with us that your spirit would move in this place that you would come and apply this to our lives that you would convict us where we need convicting and encourage us and and we just ask this morning as we open your word that your spirit would move and would do those things for us because without you we are hopelessly lost so We just pray that you would do your work today, and we would just trust knowing that ultimately it's your spirit and your moving that will ever produce fruit. And so we just ask that this time would be pleasing and honoring to you, and we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So as I mentioned before, God's plan on on going out and proclaiming the excellencies of those he's called, well, how do we do that? What does that look like? What's the program, so to speak, that God has put into place? And so that's what we're going to ask this morning. How do we do it? What does it look like? And then lastly, why do we do it like that? Why go at it like this? And so the how do we do it, that big idea of what it looks like to go forth and proclaim. And I want you to think about what the Gospels say, because this is an all- four gospels uh, depending on the different verses you look at it in a little different form in each of the gospels but for example in uh john 20 21 jesus says as the father has sent me so i am sending you and this is right after the resurrection jesus says that to the disciples he's telling them that as the father sent me so i'm sending you in mark at the end of mark we get go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation go out and tell all of the world or we get to luke Chapter 24, and it says repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And so you get the drift And all three. You're getting that same picture of it going out. And then I want us to think for just a second about the Great Commission. We often call that of of Matthew's account of of similar what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 28. And, And I want us just to think about this for a second. We're really getting the big idea of what discipleship means and the command that Christ has given us. And what it looks like. So Matthew 28, Jesus says, it tells us this. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you to you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so we get this in all the Gospels, this picture of us going out and proclaiming what Christ has done and forgiveness of sins and and going and doing. And but then you get to Matthew and. And in Matthew's gospel, something a little different happens, although he's saying the same thing, the first one that's really telling us how this, how we do it, what it begins to look like. Because if you'll notice in what Matthew says and, and what Jesus is telling us is we're to go and make disciples of all nations, that this is the way this works. We go out and we make disciples. And that's how the word goes out and how these things begin to happen. And so we start to see the how right there in Matthew and the way he, he says it, that Jesus is program, so to speak, is to make disciples. And so when we think about that big idea, making disciples, we need to think, well, what does that mean? What does a disciple mean? What does it mean to make a disciple? Right? We can say that, well, Great Commission, go make disciples. But if we don't stop and think about really what that means, we can kind of be missing the boat there. So let's just think for a second what that means. I've got a very simple definition to To just help us think through this a little bit and say it like this. It's growing as a follower of Jesus Christ and helping others to do the same. Pretty straightforward. Growing as a follower of Jesus and helping others to do the same. But I want you to think about that for just a second. If I am growing as a follower, I am growing as a follower. I'm supposed to be following Christ and I'm growing. Then I should be being discipled. I should be looking for others to help me in growing to follow Christ. Christ. And then the second part of helping others to do the same, that means I should be discipling other people. It's both and it's not either or we should be doing both. We should have looking for people ahead of us that can help us and are growing to follow Christ, but also those that are maybe newer in the faith, helping them along. So we're supposed to be doing both. Right? That's, that's really what discipleship looks like is we're growing as a follower of Christ and we're helping others to do the same. And so we still want to think, though, about what that actually is. What is discipleship? What did Jesus say about discipleship? And I thought about we could have gone through a bunch of different passages about what Jesus has said. But we're just going to hit just big idea about what Jesus said about it and then go and look at uh, flesh that out a little bit with what Paul says to Timothy. But I want you just to consider one passage about what Jesus says about discipleship in Luke chapter 14. And he says this now, great crowds accompanied him and he turned and he said to them, and this is lots and lots of people that are coming that don't really understand what it means to follow him. And he turns to them and he says some really hard words here. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And so we could spend a long time on that. I've actually preached on that passage, passage a couple years ago. And so we're going to leave that big, we're not going to dive into just this passage this morning, but big idea what Jesus is saying there, because that's a hard thing to think about. Hate, hate your family and your brothers and sisters and all that. And we go, oh, wait a second, what is he talking about? What Jesus is saying in short there is in comparison, your love for me should dwarf all other relationships. It should tower over everything else. Your love for me should be so great that all other relationships look like hate. It's a pretty huge statement to think about what he's saying. And he says, even your own life, right? And that's really what he's fleshing out in verse 27 when he says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And he's saying, until you're willing to die to yourself and your selfish ambitions and all those things and make your whole life and who you are about me, you can't be my disciple. And so Jesus gives us a pretty serious picture of what discipleship means and following him means. And so when we think about that picture, I want us to go back to our definition and amend it just a little bit. It is growing as a follower of Jesus and helping others to do the same. But we can say it like this. It's growing as a follower of Jesus, which means bringing our entire lives and our total and complete allegiance to Christ. In all things, our identity, our priority, our entire being to Jesus and helping others to do the same. That's a little different than just saying, we'll just make disciples and we'll help other people. Well, to be a disciple of Jesus means that we become all about him and we help others to do the same. And so that's a pretty big thing when we start to talk about it. And so that's the how of what we're to be doing. We're to be growing To be like Christ and helping others to do that and make him our all and everything. So then the question becomes, what does that look like? How do we do that? How can we ever do that? How do we get at it? And And again, I want to think about just Jesus in some big terms and then we'll go to 2 Timothy. But I want you to think about the way Jesus did it. as He walked on earth and what he did and how he discipled, what his disciples looked like, what those relationships looked like. And I think we could summarize it like this. Jesus went deeper and deeper with fewer and fewer, deeper and deeper with fewer and fewer. Because what he did is if, if you listen, if you just listen to what uh, Chris read for us from our first reading this morning, he goes to a certain guys and he says, you guys come and follow me. Right. And he did that with several different ones. He ends up with 12 guys. If you, if you know your Bible and you know the Gospels, Jesus ends up with 12 guys and he takes that group, this small group. And then he goes out and he preaches and he does miracles and he loves people and he does all these wonderful things. And he he makes time for so many people and does all this stuff. But those 12 guys are with him everywhere, right? He's interacting and loving, doing all these things with lots and lots of people, but the 12 are with him all the time. And he's eating all his meals with them. And when they're going from town to town, those are the guys walking with him. And he's teaching them as they go and And so what you see is he's going much deeper with those 12 and he's pouring into those guys and he's teaching them and he's showing them. But not only that, you could go to Matthew chapter 17, the transfiguration, where Jesus goes up on the mountain and and his glory is revealed. Well, who goes with him? Peter, James and John, three guys. Right. He goes even deeper. With those three, deeper and deeper, with fewer and fewer. There's even a smaller group that he takes along, and he shows them even something more, and he starts to pour into them. And so, what the picture becomes, and what we see is that we're going that discipleship includes going deeper and deeper with fewer and fewer. And when we think about that, that almost stands at the opposite of the way our culture is. Right? Oftentimes, we go shallower and shallower with more and more. Right? We have lots of relationships and lots of, Hey, how you doing? How's it going? I'm okay. Great. I'll pray for you. See you later. Right? Sunday morning, we, we see lots of people, and a lot of times we stop there. And we just kind of leave it there. And So we have lots of relationships that are very up here on the surface. But that's not what discipleships look like, and that's not the way Jesus did it. That's not the example He gave us. And so if we think about As church is becoming part of a church and a member of a church and you come and it's just Sunday morning and it's just that. Hey, I'm praying for you. Good to see you. And that's it. That's not what discipleship looks like biblically. It can't just be shallower and shallower with fewer and fewer. It's got to be the deeper and deeper. And so I said that backwards shallower with with more and more, but it has to be the deeper. And so I want us to think about that. Now, we could just say. That's the way Jesus did it. And obviously, Jesus' example is enough. We could and say, well, that's the way Jesus did it, so let's do it that way. And that's right. But, but you don't just see that. You see Paul doing it this way. You see that in the, the early church. And we even see it here in our passage. And I want us to look at that because I feel like Paul gives us some concrete examples of what this looks like. So look at verse 10 with me, 10 and 11, and what Paul says there. You, however, have followed, and remember, he's writing to Timothy, you followed my teaching and my conduct, and my aim in life, and my faith, and my patience, and my love, and my steadfastness, and my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me. And then he tells where. And so I want us just to think about what Paul's saying to Timothy, this this younger man that he's discipling and he's bringing along and he's encouraging. He says, "You've seen all this. You've followed my teaching, but not just my teaching." It's not just that he followed Paul's teaching and he listened to what Paul said and they met in the classroom. But he says, you followed my aim in life and my faith and my patience and my love and my steadfastness and all these other things. And the picture that starts to form is you don't follow those things and see those things just by meeting together for an hour once a week. Right? You don't follow somebody's patience and their steadfastness and all those things unless you're really involved, unless you're really seeing what's going on. In their lives, I'll tell you, I can be very, very patient on Sunday morning. It's not that hard. Everybody's pretty nice, and we come together, and we're encouraging to 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 uh, to follow or see my patience. You probably need to see me in my house. You need to see me around my children, right? That's that's where we start to see those things coming out, or steadfastness, or love, or those things. And you get this picture of what Paul's talking about in this list. And as you start to think, those things happen. You follow those things. You see those things in deep relationships. By going deeper and deeper with fewer and fewer, you don't see those things really coming to the surface in really shallow, just, hey, how you doing type relationships. It has to be something more than that. And so what we see when we talk about what it looks like and what Paul's saying here is you you watch what I do. Paul's saying to Timothy, watch what I do in all different situations and see how it plays out. Right? Or at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 11, Paul would say it this way. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Imitate what I'm doing as I follow Jesus. Right? That discipleship, that's, that's what the picture begins to look like. And so discipleship is more than just Bible studies or more than just praying together, although it is those things. It's absolutely those things. But it's being involved and knowing what's going on and going deeper than just a classroom setting. Or just a Sunday morning, morning setting. You know, it makes me think back when I, uh, when Joanne and I were first married. We were members of a church in Houston, and I sought out one of the associate pastors and said, "Would you meet with me? Would you spend time with me?" And he said, "Yes, I will." And so we'd go to a coffee shop uh, each week, and he'd give me books to read, and we'd talk about it, and all these things, and, and a lot of the things. And he was teaching me, and I was learning a lot. But every six weeks, every two months or so, he'd invite me to his house. And I'd go over and I'd eat with him and I'd watch him with his young children and his wife. And, and I just thought he was being nice and then we'd go have our talk or whatever in his study and then I'd leave. And, and, and looking back on it and knowing him still and he's still a friend, he was teaching me just in being there in his house. Right? Just watching him with his children. Just watching him with the way he related to his wife. He was, he was bringing me in. We were going deeper and deeper and he was showing me what it looks like and he was teaching me just by being there. And at the time, I thought he was just being nice, but he knew exactly what he was doing. He was inviting me in on a much deeper level to, to uh, watch and follow his aim in life and his faith and his patience and his love for his children and his wife and the way he did that. And so you would start to see those things in those settings. And so as we think about that, that deeper and deeper with fewer and fewer, I don't want you to miss something that's right here in verses 14 and 15. Look there. With me but as for you continue in what you've learned and what you firmly believe knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus I want you to hold that in your mind in a second just flip back one page to second Timothy 1 verse 5 and notice what Paul says there as well because this will help the context of what we're talking about there because in chapter in verse 1, verse 5 of chapter one he says I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I am now sure dwells in you as well. You see the connection there? Because Paul says here in, in uh, chapter 3, don't uh, continue in what you've learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. Right? So what Paul's saying is remember what your mother and your grandmother taught you. Remember what you've learned since you were a child. And and the reason I bring that up and the reason you see this right here in the middle is that when we think about discipleship, discipleship is parents discipling your kids or grandparents coming alongside your children and helping disciple your grandchildren. And so it's our job just built into our families to do that. And it's so important for us to see that, that we have wonderful opportunities in our own houses and our own families to do discipleship. It doesn't mean just going out and finding other people, although it should be that too. You have a great opportunity in your own house to do that. See, your job as a parent is to disciple your children, to teach them when you go by the way and when they sit up and when they stand and remind them of who God is and tell them over and over and over and keep doing it. Now, think about what the church, what happens a lot of times. Bring your kids, and I'll bring them to Sunday school or VBS. Or a youth group and church, teach them, and I'll bring them back next week. We're here to help you, but it's your job as a parent. We're here to equip and to come alongside and to help you in that. But the the first job, it's your job as a parent to be discipling your kids. And I want you even to think about how that works, why that is. First of all, deeper and deeper with fewer and fewer. One of the hardest things to that is proximity and time. Well, guess what? Your kids are around all the time. You live with them. They're there. And you have the time. You have the proximity because they're right there. In my house, I have three little men that watch everything I say and do, good and bad. They're right there. Everything. And and it's built in. They're right there. So you have it. But then oftentimes we'll go, well, I don't have all the answers. I'm not really sure. What if they ask a question? I'm not sure how to tell them or what. But think about what happens when you really start to do that. When you start to teach your kids the questions that come, they're hard, by the way. They're pretty hard. Six-year-olds asking me questions, and I'm going, I've got to think about that before I answer. I really need to think about how. But what happens is you're growing as a follower of Christ as you're helping your kids. As they ask hard questions, you go, I need to know how to answer this. I need to think about it. How do I explain this to a six-year-old? And so what happens is you're growing closer to God while your children are, and it's working together. God knew what he was doing, right? The parents that we're supposed to be teaching our children. So I just say that don't bow out of that responsibility. You have a wonderful responsibility to disciple your own children in your own house. Same thing, grandparents, right? You have the opportunity to come alongside and pour into your grandchildren and, and come and help in those ways. And so when we think about that, discipleship's not just going out and doing it with other people. It is that and it is going deeper and deeper with fewer and fewer, but you've got that built in in your family. And so don't ever take lightly that responsibility. That's a wonderful gift that God gives us. So when we think about this here, big, back to big idea, what does it mean and then what does it look like? Helping others follow Jesus, following Christ and helping others to do the same. And to do that, we go deeper and deeper with fewer and fewer and we get really involved and we begin to help each other. And we begin to teach each other the word and, and speak into our lives. And so then the question becomes, why like this? Why did God set it up this way? Why, why does it need to be fewer, deeper and deeper with fewer and fewer? And so I'll give you first answer, like the last two weeks on why we do the Lord's Supper and why we do baptism. is because Jesus said so. That's why we do it, first, first and foremost, is because Jesus said, go make disciples. I'm sending you out and you're going to go do this. And so the first part is just because Jesus said, but I want us to go deeper and think about why he said that, why he gave it to us that way, why he said to do it that way. So look at verses 12 and 13 with me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so when we think about the way God has us helping each other and going deeper and deeper with fewer and fewer. It's because life is hard. Because we live in a sinful, broken world where there's so many things out there competing. If we're not discipling one another, if we're not helping each other, we're going to be discipled by something else. And that's really what it's saying in verses 1 through 9 if you go back and read what Paul's saying, the the world that Timothy lives in is no different than the world we live in, that we're being bombarded with things on all sides at all times. And so we need each other to help and point one another to Christ. And so we don't want to become, as he says there in verse 13, deceiving and being deceived. We don't want to become imposters that are deceived. And and what happens so easily is we can be self-deceived. We can think, oh, I'm doing really great. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm whatever. And we have these big blind spots and we need other people to speak into our lives. I had friends uh, lunch with my friend, my new friend Charles, the other day. And we were talking about that and he said, you know, it's a very wise thing that Charles said to me. He said, it's very easy to spot what's wrong in other people's lives. But not quite as easy when you're looking at yourself. And I said, absolutely. That's why we need people. That's why we need discipleship. That's why we need help and following christ because it's so easy to become self-deceived and i've got it all together and so we need to speak truth into each other's lives then look at verses 16 and 17 very famous verse you may have memorized this uh, for good reason it speaks right to the inspiration of god's word and the way that he's breathed it out but just think with eyes about what we're talking about in discipleship in verses 16 and 17 all scripture is breathed out by god And profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And so when we come to God's word and we do private quiet time and we study, we're being taught and we're being corrected. And these things are happening and God's word is living and active and it's convicting us. And those are things are happening. But also just thinking of the context and what Paul's talking about and how he's speaking to Timothy here. In this, just within this context that we also need other people doing that with us, that correcting and that in that uh, uh, reproof and those things. We need others reading the scripture along with us and speaking into our lives. And we, we think I, I've got it so together and and I'm doing OK or whatever. And then your friend says, you know, I've kind of noticed the way that you talk to your wife. It's not all that kind all the time. And you go, what? What do you mean? And somebody starts to say that to you, and you go, Well, wait a second. And then all of a sudden, you realize, Maybe I don't always talk to my wife in the most loving way. Or someone says, Hey, your business is growing great and you're doing whatever, but have you ever really thought about the way you treat your employees? Are you really honoring God in the way that you treat the people that work for you? And you kind of see, oftentimes, we don't go to those places when we're reading scripture ourselves, and we need others to speak in and start to ask us those questions and say, What does that look like? In your life? Or, or let me give you one that, that may sound uh, contrary to the way our society works, but do you sit down or ever ask a brother and sister in Christ to think about what you're buying? How you're spending your money? Have you ever asked someone, uh, a, a Christian brother or sister, to come along and say, I'm thinking about buying this? Think about buying a new boat. What do you think? Scripturally, is that something? That's really helping god's kingdom should i do that or what does that look like would you pray with me about that it's kind of scary to think about when we start to open up those kind of things but but we need each other to help navigate what god's word says in the way that it's taking us and so we just need to be thinking about those things we need others to help us and so god sets it up this way and he tells us To make disciples and discipleship is the way that the church is spread and the way he shows us and he teaches us because we need help in all those areas and so many things. And so as we think about that this morning, I know, especially when I start saying, well, maybe we should talk about how we're spending our money together. That might be uncomfortable, right? That might be a little bit. Oh, wait a second. (laughs) Letting go of some of my autonomy or, or or thinking about that infringes upon my individual decisions and that might be kind of might make me a little bit vulnerable if I start asking someone to pray with me and speak into my life and what do you see with the way that I treat my wife does that reflect how Christ loves the church that could be a hard thing to ask but I want you to just think about this for a second we're going to end up here is that's where the gospel comes in right All that we're talking about in discipleship and seeking to follow after Christ and to run after him is not so that we're saved. We're not doing these things so that we work really, really hard so that Jesus will now accept us. We do these things because of what he's done for us, and we want to be conformed to his image. And so when we start to think about, man, that's really, I don't know if I want somebody to look at my checkbook with me. I'm not sure about that. Right. What's behind that when we say that is, is a works based righteousness. I don't want you to know because what would you think of me and see grace levels that we're saved by Christ and what he does for us and nothing else that levels those things. And it opens us up and it allows us to have a freedom to be open and honest and to share those things and to seek to be more like Christ. And so when you think about that's kind of hard or that might make me uncomfortable, my question is with who Jesus is. And what he's done for you? Is there anything that you can do in your life to be more conformed to his image that's asking too much? I'm pretty sure the answer, and it's absolutely not. Whatever we can do to become more and more like Christ and to reflect him to a broken world and to proclaim who he is to those we come into contact, contact with is let's do it. Let's hold one another accountable. Let's love each other in that way and keep doing that. And so as we get to the end this morning, I want you just to think about this. I've got a couple questions for you and a challenge. And one is, are you in relationships right now that you would characterize as a discipling relationship? Are you spending time with people for really the, the main purpose to grow closer to Christ together? Is that happening in your life? And if it's not, then my next question is, why not? And then I want us just to, to end here because I don't want to put you like, oh, man, I should be doing that. And I feel guilty. and here, It's hard sometimes. Depending on your personality, you may go, that's really hard to go talk to somebody about, hey, let's meet together and read the scriptures together or spend time together or speak into my life. And so we want as a church to help equip you, to help you in that. And so maybe your personality is such that you go, I don't know where to start. I don't know who to talk to. I don't. Great. Come talk to me. Come tell me that. Come tell Chris that or one of your elders or one of many people here would love to help you. And we'll help pair you up with somebody. We'll help you find those relationships. And we won't just put it on you. So the challenge is don't let that be an excuse. Come and ask and we'll help you. Wednesday morning. Monica Scheidt says, I'm going to have a thing at my house. This Wednesday, ladies, this is sermon coming together with what's going on, right? Wednesday morning, ladies are meeting to help with discipleship. That's what they're meeting for. How can we do this better as ladies in the church? So go. And if you can't go, then talk to Monica about what happened and how you can get plugged in. There's a great way to do that. Men, Tuesday mornings, we have prayer breakfast." And coming out of that, some of these relationships, once a month on Sunday night, we do the same thing for the same purpose. And if you can't make those, that's okay. Come and tell us, and we'll help pair you up with different people. Because this is the way that God says it goes out. This is Jesus' program. This is the way Jesus designed for his uh, kingdom to be spread and to be proclaimed as we make disciples. And then they make disciples, and we keep doing that, and we hold one another accountable. So let's not let little excuses get in the way of following after Christ and the way that he's called us to do it. Because after all, he's worth it. He's absolutely worth it. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the way that you know what's best for us, the way that you love us, the way that you care for us, the way that you've set this up, that you have a plan on how we're to love one another and how we're to care for one another and how we're to grow closer to you. And so we just ask that we'd be faithful to that that we would be quick to uh, come alongside and to help one another. And so we just ask that you would do that in this place, that you'd give us a heart to be uh, discipling people and to be discipled and to care for one another. And in doing so, that we would just see you more clearly, that you would shine through in your beauty and your majesty, and that we would, uh, through those relationships, just love you more and more and show that to a broken world that so desperately needs you. We thank you for all you've done for us, and we just pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.